All right, good afternoon, everybody. I think there are some seats still. Uh, if you want to, if you want to kind of move on in or whatever. Um, holiness versus legalism, right? You guys, that's the one you. Yes. Well, you're in there now. If it wasn't where you thought you were going to be, okay. That front of the recorder. That'd be fantastic. Watch my eyes. Uh, all righty, let's start. First of all, I'd like to just introduce myself. My name is Keith Winship. Uh, my wife and I um, lead the church, the Clemson Foothills Church, uh, right down the road. We're not far from here in Clemson, South Carolina, and uh, we love being there. Um, it, you know, we love. We are the na- defending national football champions, so that's fantastic. If that if that means anything to anybody, okay. Uh, but uh, we're going to get started. I want to just begin. Let's pray. Um, but here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to do something that's really, really, really important, and it's going to take a whole lot of pressure off of me, okay? I want you to take a minute, and I want you on your own to just pray that you hear the voice of Jesus, for you to hear the voice of Jesus, okay? Not the person sitting next to you, not the person you brought here because you think they're so legalistic that they need to hear this. Okay, but that Jesus will reveal every ounce inside of us because let me be very clear, okay? I am a recovering legal aholic. Okay, I love the law. I love you're gonna hear that as I as I share today, but it's really important because if if you want me to come up with something really great that's gonna change your life, you know what? That you're really probably in the wrong place. My words aren't going to do that. We need Jesus to do that, right? So I want you to take a a minute here, okay? And just be quiet and pray that you hear the voice of Jesus, okay? Go ahead and pray, and then I'll jump in here in about a minute. All right, Father, uh, thank you again. Thank you for bringing us here. Um, God, we ask something, though. Father, we ask that you uh, just fill us with an extra measure of your Holy Spirit today, Father, that, uh, that, that we are able to forget about all the junk that's going on in our heads and our hearts that are keeping us from hearing your voice. Father, uh, just silence any theology we have that's not right, it's not yours, Father. Help us to just hear you. And God, I pray that when we hear something that might be really challenging, God, that we just, that we accept that, that we love that, that we know that when it comes from you, Father, that it is gentle and life-giving, Father. But we pray, please fill us with, with as much of the Holy Spirit we can possibly have in us without dying, Father. Please, we ask that. Um, and please let me speak your words, Father, uh, pleasing, that are pleasing to you and not to man, God. I love you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, so here, let's start out with this right off the bat, okay? In Hebrews 12, something that's really clear in the Bible is that no one will see God without holiness. I want you to think about that. Do you believe that, okay? Because what can be a little bit... I don't know, like it's hard to tell, I, you know, looking around, I don't know, most of you guys in here. Um, I, w- I would guess that most of you like know what to say to that, which is, yo, of course no one can see God without holiness. But I want you to think, do you know what that means? Before, before you jumped in there and said, yeah, 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 that's right, I want you to think about what does that mean to you? What does that mean to God? I'm assuming that a lot of you guys probably, when you saw the word like legalism, it, it, it like conjured up something inside of you. That, that either, either you're here because you're like, I, I hate all legalists. Okay, and, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> that. That's not the way of Jesus. Or you're, you're like, I am so like legalistic. Like, like people, people tell me this all the time that I am. Uh, and maybe you haven't even agreed that you are yet but you hear it from people. Here's what I'd like to hear from you a little bit. 
when you hear that word legalism or being a legalist, uh, can you just give me a word or two that comes along with that, like in your head, in your heart, when you hear that word? Yeah, there's a hand up back there, and it, it's not attached to anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, harsh and aggressive, okay, yeah. Law and authority. Law and authority. Um, in addition to law and authority, like holding the letter of the law above the spirit. Right, okay, well done, yeah. I was thinking like self-righteous or like Pharisees. Self-righteous, pharisaical, rules. Rules, let's go over here, yellow, sure. So proud. Okay. I'm forgiving. Hands went down on that one. They're like, oh, you did my answer. Yeah. Uh, like man-made salvation. Okay, man-made salvation. These are good. Why do I ask you for that? Well, part of it is, is, is I like to hear from you guys. I like to see what you guys are doing and thinking and all these kind of things. But here's what I want you to do, okay? Because here's what can hinder me when, I, when I'm studying about holiness or legalism or anything is there is a there's a spiritual committee that's in my head and that committee knows everything that i love that committee because see the committee agrees with everything that i want the committee to agree on with me and the committee has deemed that there are certain things and those are the only things that matter okay and you have that committee in your brain too Okay, and, it, and there are all these words, and all of the words that you guys shared, which was really, I don't know if you heard that or not, is they're very emotionally charged words. Okay, and what happens when, when we really get engaged on a heart level or something's really emotional to us, what, what is our, our reaction oftentimes? Like, how do you react? I can, I'll tell you how I react, but how do you react? Right. I, you know, I mean, that's the thing is, is have you ever felt that before where just internally and you're just like, ah, defensive. And, 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 and why I say that is because the answers you gave weren't wrong. Okay. But they're like a small part and God may or may not be wanting you to even focus on those words. Right. All right. Because here's the thing. This is, I think somebody over here said like, like, um, like authoritative or harsh or something like that. And I think what we're going to see as we study this a little bit is that one of the things that Satan really wants us to do is get our eyes off of God and onto people. Okay? And here's a couple of truths that I want all of us to agree on, at least in this room, okay? Is there's nobody else I get to change but me. There isn't anybody as much as I want. Believe me, I think all the time I can change people. And I would love to change people's minds. And I would love to make people do things. And I would love to do all that kind of stuff. But here's the interesting thing. God never gave me that authority. And he didn't give me that ability. All right? That's up to him alone, okay? God changes, okay? One of the things that may be a hindrance is, you, with, especially when, the, when it's an emotionally charged subject, is, is there's sometimes that you feel almost like, oh, but, but this hurts people. And this hurts me. And this hurts my ministry, or something like that, and realize that here's the deal. In every situation, here's what I know about me. I'm part of the problem, and I'm part of the solution. I want you to think about that. Now, don't try to figure out the theological view of that, okay? Don't, don't write your notes like, oh, he says that God doesn't matter. And then, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that there is a responsibility I have in the choices I make, all right, and Anytime we're talking about something that needs to change, I'm part of the problem and I'm part of the solution. I want you to believe that, really. I really want you to do that. It's, it's, I am part of the problem of legalism. But you're part of the solution, too, because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Okay? It's not going to be up to you and it's not up to your strength okay, to change that. But this is what God is going to do. So I just want us to be really clear and understand, okay, listen, I can't control so-and-so. I can't change the person I'm thinking of. I can't, like, Jesus just talked to my heart. Like, teach me how can I, like, I just want to be holy because I know in Hebrews 12, when it says no one sees God without holiness, I know all of us in here would agree on something. You all and I want to see God. 
everywhere, right? I mean, how awesome would that be if you woke up this morning and God just said, I'm going to show you everything I see. And I'm going to show you where I am in everything. And I'm going to show you all the goodness. And I'm going to show you all the right. And I'm going to show you all of these amazing things. And I'm going to show you me in everything. Wouldn't that be great? We would go, yeah, that, I want that. Okay? Because then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, get all cynical and bitter and faithless and all of these things. Okay? So I know we want that. I know you do. Is that you want desperately to be holy and to not be legalistic. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to like, the, this subject, can you, okay, if we were to fly over this subject in a plane, it would be like flying over like a state, okay? There is so much to this. There is so much to this, okay? So I, I, I say that to lower your expectations, okay? Because what we're going to do is we're going to land the plane and we're going to walk in a neighborhood, Okay, we're going to walk in a little area of this. And so there may be something you go, oh, but he didn't say that because we don't have a month. That's why we're going to walk in a neighborhood. Okay, and I'm sure in some part of this neighborhood, you're going to go, oh, yeah, 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 I get that. Okay, but believe me, there's so much more to this. As long as you, you are a disciple, we're going to be like wandering around this going, hold on, how do I navigate this? How do I navigate holiness but legalism and righteousness and grace and faith and all these kind of things? We're going to be navigating that, but we're just going to pick a neighborhood today, okay? And that neighborhood is going to be centered on one thing, and it's one thing I want you to think of for the rest of your life, every minute of every day. One verse, all right? John 13, 34. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's the name of the neighborhood. That's the name of the state. That's the name of the country. That's the name of everything that we do. It's that one thing of Jesus coming down. And I always love this, okay? Is, is, could you imagine Jesus sitting with you face to face and he said, listen, take a few minutes and think of all the ways I've loved you. And write them down. And just keep writing all the ways that I've loved you. And use all the words of all the ways that I've loved you. And at the end of the exercise, Jesus said, okay, you've just figured out discipleship. Now do that to others. Okay? That's all I want you to think about, okay? Because it's, we'll get caught up in all the mechanics of, okay, now how do I not do this and do this? And, and I, Hey, listen, when I wake up in the morning, there's one thing I know very simply I have to do. Love people the way Jesus loved me. That's it. That's as simple as it gets. Okay? That's what I want you to hear through everything, okay? But let's kind of like knock this down just a little bit. When we're, when we're talking about legalism, okay? Um, I think a lot of times we feel like it's law, it's rules, it's authority. It's these things here. Let me simplify this a little bit to you, okay? Is it's any pursuit of the favor of God that isn't through Jesus Christ. It's any time I pursue God and try to win his favor by doing something. Okay, I'm going to make a statement, and I just want you to write it down, and I want you to go home and think about this. I want you to pray about this, okay? There is nothing you have ever done that can make God love you less than he does right now. And there's nothing you can ever do that can make him love you more than he does right now. I want you to think about that. I've shared that in a number of places. And you know what's interesting is, is sometimes it makes disciples angry. And it feels like, hold on a minute, that can't be true. But if we don't understand this, then we won't understand holiness. Because we're going to pursue the favor of God, and we're going to pursue God, and we want Him to like us more if we do things. And I'm going to share my story of legalism, okay? I'm going to let you know, and this isn't like, oh yeah, that was so far, so long ago. It's like, no, 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 this is a good friend of mine. Like, I like, like hearing these things, because here's really what it comes down to, okay, is... Um, and, and you guys have probably done this before. Have you ever had like a really great week and you just feel like God loves you so much more this week? Yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe some of you may go, I don't re- I get that. Okay, have you ever had a really bad week and you thought, I am so far from God? Have you ever had one of those weeks? Like, there is, like I have to have a great quiet time right now. 
I better have a really righteous day today. Have you ever done that? You're like, send, send the week away. And you're like, hold on a minute. This day today, I'm going to have this mondo quiet time for like two hours. I'm going to go out and share my faith. I'm going to say no to sin. And at the end of the day, you're like, whoo, I'm so glad that's over with. Because God loves me again. Okay? Here, here's the deal. That is not right theology. That's not the gospel of Jesus. Okay? Can you imagine that the minutes before you were baptized into Jesus, that he loved you the same as the minutes after you were baptized into Jesus? Can, can you imagine that? I think too often we look at a conversion experience, we go, okay, this is what's going to make God really like me. And you go, well, Keith, how do you say that? Like, where is that in the Bible? Okay. It's squarely in the Gospels where Jesus talks about his death, burial, and resurrection. Okay. The, he, cannot, he doesn't come off the cross when you have a bad week. He doesn't go, I'm taking that away from you, Sam. I'm taking it away from you. It didn't count for you. Okay? He says, no, 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 no. See, remember when you were all messed up and still sinners, I was like, no, I'm dying for them. Okay? That is so crucial that it, that it goes from our head to our heart, right? Because intellectually, we can all learn it like right here. But here's what I need you to do, okay? I need you to let this sink to your heart. And I'm talking about like praying every single day and just like, God, teach me that truth, okay? Let me not even focus on holiness and legalism. Let me focus so deeply on this idea that I can't win your favor. Like I can't do enough good things to where you will then say... I love you so much more now than I did last week. Or you have such a bad week that you say, man, I'm, I'm so disappointed. I wish I never offered you salvation. All right. If we don't erase that from our theology, the, the concept of even talking about holiness and legalism doesn't matter. Because we can be, here, here's the thing about this, is oftentimes we see legalism expressing itself in kind of like maybe a very, like almost like, powerful, authoritative, kind of like this legalistic coming down to you. But here's the thing is, 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 is I, I get torn in my legalism between insecurity and pride. Okay? So there are times when I am at my lowest, and, and, and I can even go, you know what, man? I'm so glad I'm not like that one brother. He just does stuff to do things and all that kind of stuff. But the reason I'm low and insecure is because I believe deep down I can do things to make God love me, and I'm not doing those things. Okay? You see how that theology messes us, us up? It, it ruins us. I mean, would it change your life at all if you realize every minute of every single day, there's nothing I've done that will make God love me less, and there's nothing I can do that will make Him love me more? Would that change how you think? Would that change how you interact with people? Okay? Because here's what happens to me. Have you ever felt like y'all get insecure at all? Okay, that's a, that is a red flag of legalism. That's not holiness. Okay? And remember, our holiness comes from God. All right? Jesus didn't walk around insecure. He said, man, I've given you my Holy Spirit because you should never be insecure. Okay? So that idea of insecurity, like the red flag, we just all probably join the club of like, wow, legalism has kind of like crept into my heart. Right? This idea of, man, those roots, because I'm insecure, because, man, if I just did more, God would love me. But you also, you, you may be part of a group, and, and I kind of felt myself going like this through the years of being a disciple, where those times when I felt like I had it all on straight, man. Man, I, I knew more about the Bible than most people. Had great quiet times, shared my faith. Baptizing a lot of people. We had a cool church video. And I'm like, I'm going to be in that video more than anyone else baptizing people. You ever thought that way before? And I can't wait till Facebook comes out and people see, I'm in the water with that person. Right? I mean, that's because there's this side of it. Now, there's a pure side too, right? I mean, let's not just jump off the... There's a pure side of going, God, I just want to help be your ambassador. That's a really great side. Don't get rid of that side. But, but there's that side of it of going, you know what? Man, I feel a little better about myself as a disciple when other people see that picture and when I see that picture. Okay? I used to get angry at people. I would be competitive with people because they would go, hold on a minute. Huh? 
You got in the water more than I got in the water? Like, hold on a minute. Next year, it's going to be different. Right? We're going after this, right? I mean, here's the thing. Competitiveness is great. This is a fruit of legalism, by the way. Okay? Competitiveness is great if you're in a sport competing. <laughs> it's awesome. Okay? I mean, really. Don't become a disciple and go, oh, I don't want to be competitive anymore. I mean, man, if you're playing sports or something, that's great. I mean, be competitive, okay? In a really righteous way. It doesn't have any room in the kingdom of God. Okay, there's one question that we want asked all the time that the apostles asked to Jesus. Who's the greatest? You want to know that too. Who's the greatest? Who's got the greatest campus ministry? Who's the greatest in that campus ministry? Who's the greatest in your campus ministry? Who's the greatest preacher you know? Who's the greatest disciple you know? Who's the greatest? Who, that, that we're, we, we are incessant. Like, no, who's the greatest? And what's it going to take? And there's this fruit of legalism that's comparative. Okay? And here's the deal about comparison is I don't feel like I've got to be at the top, but I don't want to be at the bottom. Right? So if that's true, if that's true, then here's the deal is, is I have to make sure there are people that are less than me. Do you, you remember in Philippians 2... <clears throat> See, see, Paul writes these things that he just feels like, man, disciples should just be this way. They're, they're kind of eliminators of legalism. He said, consider others what? Yes. Consider others better or in some translations more important. Right? Like that we're rooting on our brothers and sisters. Amen. And we're happy for our brothers and sisters and we love our brothers and sisters. And it isn't about, it's not this like, this, this hierarchy of who's better and who's worse and who's the greatest and who's the least and all of these things. And then we, we kind of, if you've done what I've done with legalism before, it's like, you know what to say, though, to keep people off your scent of legalism? Let's talk about that. Okay? Like, like, I don't want people to know that I really think that I can earn my way and make God love me, and I don't want to sound all like that. And so I say things like, man, if I could just, you know, as long as I just make it to heaven. You know, like older people say, as long as I was a doorkeeper... And the gates to heaven. I'm like, that's great because it throws people off your scent. But if in your heart you're competitive and comparative, then then that idea of earning God's favor is deeply rooted. And I think that's probably something we all have in common, right? Like the competitiveness and the comparativeness. Mm. I want to beat you and be better than you. What do you think? I want you to think about that. What would Jesus feel about that? What did Jesus say about that? I mean, his teaching seems to be the complete polar opposite, right? Well, sure. <laughs> seems to be the complete. Anyone who wants to be great must become the least. That, that's one of the things I've learned when it comes to holiness and legalism is do I love being the least. Do I love that? Of being the least. Or do I love being everyone's greatest cheerleader? Like let me make you let me let me believe in you the way Jesus believes in you. Let me think, let me give you the benefit of the doubt when you're in sin. I mean I, listen, as a young Christian, there wasn't anything better than you had somebody come in, somebody maybe you're competitive with in your ministry. And they, and they fall into sin. And you're like, batter up. Batter up. It's time to rebuke you. It's time for me to know what your motives were. It's time for me to tell you how bad you are. It's time for me to develop a sense of remorse in you. And, and here's what's interesting is, is God already does that in here. Here's what I know you need and I need, Okay is I need my brothers and sisters to give me the benefit of the doubt. Okay, not take the competitive edge of going, okay, now let me squash you down a little bit more. It's like, listen, I know you want to please Jesus. I know, and it may be this little small speck inside of you, but I know it, and let me walk with you now. Okay, that's so different. A legalist can never say that. It can never say that. Somebody who's holy will always say that. Right? They'll never say that. It's going to be about, hold on a minute, let me keep you down because in a little weird way, it makes me look a little bit better. Wow. 
Okay? Now, here's what I don't want you to do again is you may even be, you know, thinking of that person that does that. Don't do it. All right? Really asking God, okay, what is this about? Okay? Here's what it's requiring as well. In order for us to stay in this really comfortable, and, and it is comfortable, to, to, to depend on earning God's favor, it requires me to be the church critiquer. I don't even know if that's a word. I, like that. I put an R at the end of it. Right, exactly. It's like, you know. Have you ever done that before where you feel like your spiritual act of, act of worship has been critiquing what everybody else does wrong? Wow. Like in some way, that makes Jesus love me more. Like, you know what's wrong? You know what's wrong with Syracuse? You know what's wrong with Syracuse? Y'all know. JC doesn't know. But y'all know. Y'all know what's wrong with Cincinnati. Yeah, y'all, y'all know what's wrong. You know, have you ever had that? Like, you've sat down with coffee. You may have done that right here at this conference. You have sat down with coffee with somebody, and you have been like, hey, let me just share with you. Like, hey, this is what's wrong with those guys. Man, I'm really, and we say it in really great Christian terms, I'm really worried about them. I am really worried about them. Okay? And all along, here's what I'm just saying to do, okay? I'm not saying, I'm just saying that, hey, stop for a minute. And consider that you may not be really worried. Stop for a moment to think that, you know what, there's a side of this that kind of puffs me up to make me feel just a little, just a little bit more righteous. Okay, those are the roots of legalism. It isn't always the harsh guy. It isn't always the authoritarian. It isn't always all these things. It's that it, it creeps into us because, listen, Satan would want nothing more from every one of us than to think, you know what, we really have got to be good to earn God's favor. Because then Satan can be like, y'all go to conferences. Y'all go and do things. Yeah, that's great. The more you do, the better. Because you think you're earning it. Yeah. Okay? It's, 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 I'm just thinking of this verse, Matthew 7, 21. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Do you know that? Of course you know that because we always use that, right, to make you feel horrible about, you know, if you really think you're a Christian or not. <laughs> it's, it's, but, but I've done this. I've, I've done all these things, right? I've driven out demons. I've spoken in tongues. I've done all these things. He says, I never knew you. So that's, that's that idea. This is what legalism brings, okay? It's based entirely on me. Let's talk about holiness here. Okay. Let's talk about holiness for a little bit. In, in holiness, as we've already established in Hebrews 12, we can't see God without holiness. We've got to remember first and foremost because, you know, Satan's schemes are so kind of, they're old and and we know what they are, but they're kind of still fooling us into injecting us into everything good. And so there's still that idea of going, okay, then then holiness is right. It's about you and me, right? It's about you and me becoming holy. Except it's not. It's about God who is holy. All right. Can you imagine in heaven one day? Okay, there's two things that I've learned in heaven that may not really fire you up, okay, about going there. You're not going to be on a cloud, probably. You're not going to be playing a harp. You're not going to be going around. Here's the thing is, if I know anything about how God does things, okay, when, when you saw Adam and Eve in paradise going around, God actually said, y'all are going to work. Have you ever thought about that? Like, you probably have a job in heaven. Oh my goodness, you're going, okay, that's enough. You said enough, I'm out of here. Like, I, no, 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 heaven is going to be like pure, like laying on the sofa, laying on the Eno, like, you know, in this miraculous way of having like mountains and streams and a beach and a sunset all at the same time. And it's hot and it's cold and the sewing and all that stuff while I sit there and play video games. And that's heaven, right? And you're going, that's what I want. And it's, that's America heaven. That's like, I just want all the hot dogs you can make, and they're really good, and all the food I can have. And he's going, hold on a minute. Here's the deal about about heaven, okay? And and if we don't love this, then we probably aren't going to, like, really strive to to want holiness, okay? It's to go, hold on a minute. That's good. Work is good, okay? So I'm just saying that. You don't have to go, you know, I'm going to write a letter to Douglas Jacobi and see if his theology is all good. I'm just saying that's what I read in the Bible, okay? It's probably not going to be us just being lazy. But here's the other thing. Turn over in your Bibles to Revelation. Okay, I love this here. In, in, 
in Revelation chapter 4, or chapter 3. Is it 3 or 4? Let me see here. No, it's 4. Revelation 4. I love this picture, okay? I love this picture here. Okay? Uh, we're, we're not going to go through all the weird creatures and what they look like. That just would scare people. Like, you're like, you mean in heaven there's going to be this, like, goat-headed, like, eagle with, like, all these eyeballs? I'm like, I don't want to be around that, that thing. Okay? So we're going to, like, but here's the thing. Verse 8, Revelation 4, verse 8. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes. That's just gross, okay? Around and inside. And day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy. Lord God, the Almighty who was, who is, and who is coming. You know, is that what they do all the time. It's just, I, they love the holiness of God. The idea that God's not like anything else. There's nothing else like God. And that's what they love. Is God, you are perfect and no one else is. You know everything and no one else does. You can do anything and no one else can. Right? I love that you're, they love the holiness, the, the slash set apartness of God. And it's just they're infatuated with the holiness of God. If we don't become infatuated with the holiness of God, there's no holiness for us. Like infatuated with that. Of not just like, okay, let me study my Bible and learn something new and all that kind of stuff, but this infatuation. And believe me, here's the deal. You don't snap your fingers just yet. This is part of the journey, man. Okay? In 10 years, in 20 years, in 30 years, it should be exploding out of you more and more and more. Okay? And here's the cool thing right here. It goes on um, in in chapter 5, verse 8. Okay? So he takes the scroll, the four living creatures, and he says, Then there's 24 elders. And they fell down around the lamb. And each one had a, had a harp and the gold bowls filled with incense, which were the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slaughtered and you redeemed people for God uh, by your blood. And, for, and from every tribe and language and people and nation, you made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign on earth. I mean, it's just this amazing, cosmic, like, this is amazing. But we've got to be infatuated. I want you to be that way. All right, because here's the deal is, once I'm infatuated with the holiness of God, I'm not really worried about what y'all think about me anymore. All right? I'm me. I am a messy disciple. Now, I don't have it all on straight. I don't know if you'll get to that point on this side of heaven. But you want to know what? Part of being holy is being okay with who I am right now. And you want to know what? When I'm focused on what y'all think and all the critique and all the comparison and all the competitiveness, I just get this complex instead of going, hold on a minute. Let me be infatuated with the glory of God and living that out in my life. You want to know what? All of a sudden, everybody else becomes like just blurred out. Okay? It's like, okay, listen, now I can focus on the right thing. I, think about that. Is that your reality? Come on. Like you are infatuated, not with Bible talk, not with one another relationships, not with getting advice from somebody else, not with making your church leader happy. You are infatuated with the holiness of God. Like a holiness that can, it cannot believe me. That we're going to be like drinking out of this forever. That's a requirement here. Is I believe in every word he said. I believe in the cross so deeply. In my lowest moments, I know for sure I cannot earn my way to love you more. Okay? But that doesn't mean there isn't a response. You see, there's a difference because the response of repentance and the response of even having remorse and the 2 Corinthians 7 of alarm and all that kind of stuff isn't something just because we're worried about what everybody's saying. But because I'm so infatuated with the holiness of God. I'm so infatuated that repentance is now good news. See, in holiness, repentance is good news. And I'm talking about for you, not to go and tell somebody else that. Is that your reality where repentance is really good news? Like it's a breath of fresh air. Like you're refreshed. When you get an opportunity to repent of sin. See how different that is? Then, man, I better repent because I don't know what so-and-so thinks about me. 
or this brother or this sister, and I don't know what they think about me. And, and too often, we get rebellious and go, okay, then I'm not going to. I'm going to dig my heels in. And you see that, okay, now, now we're nowhere near Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah. We're nowhere near Jesus when that happens, okay? So we're, we've got to be infatuated. We have to be real about the law. The law is good. The Bible teaches that the law is good. But how you approach the law... Let me just show that to you. James chapter 2. Okay? James chapter 2. The law is good. And in James chapter 2, verse 8... This summarize, this helps me. I hope it helps you. That if you keep the royal law prescribed in Scripture, and here's what it is. Love your neighbor as yourself, then you're doing well. That's the law to keep. That's the law to keep. What if you told yourself, I will never break that law? We, we do that. I mean, it doesn't make you a legalist because you may have a conviction right now to say, I will never murder somebody. We all would appreciate you to have that conviction. <laughs> and I don't want to call you names. You're such a legalist. You don't want to kill somebody. That sometimes happens in the church. We like throw out names. And we're going, hold on a minute. You want to know what? There are, there are boundaries and commands and certain things that God has put up. And we're going, no, no, no. Believe that. Have a conviction about that, okay? So just kind of turning the tables, we wouldn't consider ourselves a legalist if we said, I will never, in, in, in my power, I will strive every day and every minute to love my neighbor as myself. Would you go, that person is such a legalist. They just think they're going to go love people. I hate people like that. <laughs> think you're so much better than everyone else. No, 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 no. I'm actually, this is good, okay? It's, I, that's what I want to do. You remember when Jesus in Matthew 5, you can go look this up, okay? But in Matthew 5, Jesus said that, man, no one enters the kingdom of heaven if your righteousness doesn't surpass that of the Pharisees. Pharisees are pretty righteous guys, yeah. right? Like, in, in this room, I mean, I don't know if many of us in this room would ever be even eligible to be a Pharisee. With our righteousness. Has that verse ever frustrated you? Like, it's just kind of frustrating. Like, you mean I have to do more righteous acts than the Pharisees? I mean, the Pharisees went further than most people with their righteousness. Doesn't that, I, maybe you've never read that before, and you, I'm just like making something difficult for you. But I'm just saying is like, when you read that, I mean, there's just side of it where I'm going, hold on a minute, you mean I've got to work so hard? Like, that is so tiring. Like, I have to be more righteous, and I'm, I'm, I mess up. Like, this is so hard, and I've got to, like, work and work and work to get into the kingdom of heaven. Except we don't really understand what that word righteousness means. You know what that word is? It's relational righteousness. See, the Pharisees were legalistically righteous, but they didn't love people. The Pharisees were obedient but they didn't love people. They didn't treat people well. That's exactly the context that Jesus is saying. He's going, hold on a minute. You can be as righteous as you want to be if you don't love people. If you're not relationally righteous, you cannot come into the kingdom of heaven. That's pretty heavy. I mean, this isn't just like, well, yeah, I'm going to try to work on not being legalistic. This is like a, no, no, no. This is a dividing line. This is a dividing line. Like, I'm either going to love others and not just your friend. Do your enemies know that you love them? And that you pray for them? Now, be careful, okay? Don't, don't get all passive-aggressive here. You're like, listen, I just want to let you know you're my enemy, but I pray for you. <laughs> right? I'm so holy. Right? And all that kind of stuff. I'm like, come on, man. You know what I mean? Let's have some relational sense, Okay? But when we are mired in legalism, you know what happens is, is we have to make sure our enemies know we're not letting them get away with anything. I can't love you. Let me ask you a question is, when you were God's enemy, how did he treat you? Like, I'm serious, like, how did he treat you? Did he shun you? 
keep all disciples away from you? Take away his word from you? Not love you? Is that how you were treated? I don't think so. And so again, what's the standard here with holiness and legalism? We, our eyes are firmly fixed on Jesus. And Jesus, what you did and how you did it is how I want to do it. Because you're holy. You're set apart. You're better. You, we, we have to die. He's not saying like, hey, you were pretty good at <coughs> baptism. Just let the bad parts die. He's like, no, 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 no. All of you have to die. And when you come out, I want to own every part of you. Your eyes, your ears, your lips, your mouth, your arms, everything. I want to own that. Like, I'm in charge of that. And because I'm holy, you want to know what? All of a sudden, that you're going to be equipped to love people. And what's amazing is, is you're going to make an impact in your world, in your dorm, in your classroom. But it's only through this. It's only through this. You ever categorize legalism with like just checking off the box? You ever ever done that? Okay, let me let me help you out a little bit. There's some of you guys. You're like engineers. Like the box is awesome, is for you. Like it's helpful to see the Excel spreadsheet. It is so helpful to have in your journal, and you're like, listen, there's a box right there, and I know I need to do my quiet time each day. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to take a little pressure off of you. It's okay to do that. It ain't about checking. It's not about, do I have a box to check or don't I? Believe me, you can check a box, and you can still be fully engaged in the holiness of God. Okay? And that may be a great tool for you. And then there's some of you guys, you guys are a little more type B maybe, a little like a laid back, kind of hippie-ish and all that kind of stuff. And you're like, no, 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 I can't put any of that stuff up. And therefore, I'm not a legalist. It has nothing to do with, do I check the box? Don't I check the box? Is that idea, if it helps you, then amen. Understand it and use it as a tool. Let me take a little pressure off of you there, okay? So you're, because it's, I, I've talked to a lot of brothers who are super engineering type A and all that kind of stuff. And you're like, dude, stop doing your little thing, and they're just floundering. They're like, ah, I don't know what to do. I've been listening to contemporary Christian music, and it doesn't help me. You know, I just want my boxes back. Please give me my boxes back. You know, and and I realized that, hold on a minute, this isn't about behavior modification. This is about really our heart, right? This is about really being infatuated with the holiness of God, okay? Let's look at Romans chapter 8. Let's let's wrap it up. Romans 8, I'll tell you what, man, if you ever... Um, if you ever just kind of lost and just like, I don't know what to read, I don't know where to turn, I just need help in all kinds of ways. I mean, Romans 8 is so good. I mean, Romans 8 is good. I mean, it is, it is, it is like really good manna. I mean, there's manna and there's good manna, okay? That's Romans 8 right here, okay? I love this, okay? And so Romans 8, it starts out, um, and we're not going to read the whole chapter, but, I, but we can't not read this first verse right here, okay? Therefore, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Okay, like, like it's good. That's like good news, right? Like, for real. Because here's the thing is, is all of these things I've been sharing with you about the gospel and about how God can't... When we don't believe that, you want to know what ends up happening? is like being in the church or going to a, to a gathering of some sort, we get all tense and stressed out. When that's the place I should not be tense and stressed out. And, and if, we're, if we're not like, this is stop being good news, like, then what would be good news to you? What would make you feel just like, okay, I'm good. I can enter the fellowship and feel like, dude, it's just like light as air. Like, I'm feeling great. What would you need to do that maybe even here at this conference? Because I'm sure there's a lot of you here. You're at this conference. You're all tense. And you're all worried. And you're scared somebody's going to figure something out. Or that you're not, going to, or you're not measuring up to somebody and they're wearing this really cool shirt and our shirt isn't that good. You know, and they're, they're about this and we're about that. And, and their campus name is this. And why aren't we Alpha Omega? And like, what's wrong with us? If we were Alpha Omega, we'd make disciples. You know, we get all caught up in, in all of these things. Let me ask you this. What would have been the good news for you for you to have shown up here and go, man, I am like light as a feather. I'm just, I'm, I love God. This is awesome. I love being here. I'm not feeling any pressure. I'm not feeling any stress. What would that good news be to you? What would have happened in your life to allow you to be that way? What would it have been? Anybody want to share that? I mean, if you want to jump out there, this is a little bit more maybe vulnerable. Okay, but is, just think. Yeah, what would it be? That I don't have anything to change. Yeah. That, that, you know what? I am so... <laughs> 
Like, I'm at a place where I'm unchallengeable. <laughs> you want bring up quiet time? Bam. <laughs> you want bring up evangelism? Yeah. You want bring up whatever you want to bring up? I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Let me give you some advice. <laughs> I'm here to dispense advice. You know, this is, there's probably nobody that knows this in here, but y'all ever watch like Charlie Brown? Yeah. Charlie Brown Christmas, right? Yeah. It's like Lucy. Every Charlie Brown cartoon, Lucy would put up a thing that the doctor is in. And then you could come and see her. And that would be great, wouldn't it, if I showed up and I'm like, I don't have anything. I'm just here to give advice. <laughs> the doctor's in. Come and talk to me. I have got it. I have repented of everything. <laughs> right? Okay, maybe that would be good news for you. What would be good news for you? I know where I need to grow, and I can start right away. Yeah, okay, so, like, I'm really aware of where I need to grow. Okay. Sure about that? What if you found something out that you didn't know you needed to do? Then it's more work. Yeah. If heaven's work, then I better practice now. No, but yeah, understand. It's not, I'm not talking about toil and all these things. But what I'm saying is like, a lot of times we can get really comfortable with, okay, I know what my like, pet sin is. Like, I know what that thing is, and I'm already prepared to like, be open and honest and vulnerable. I don't have to think about it. Like, I'm already there. I've been practicing, and I've been sharing it with everybody, and all that kind of stuff, and I know exactly what I need to change. And every time I know exactly what I need to change, it's really amazing that God is like, you don't really know, Keith, exactly what you need to change. Like, I'm going to start putting things in your life, and you don't know. Here's the message I hear from God all the time. You don't know everything you think you know. You aren't as smart as you think you are, Keith. I I hear the voice of God saying that almost every day. You, You are not, listen, dude. You are not, the, the movie you have playing in your head is not reality. Okay? So I'm saying this, that's great, and that may, that's fine, okay? But it's that idea of going, man, okay, am I, am I okay with being a little flexible and like, man, I might get a little blindsided even at the conference, and this is still, I'm still, the good news is there is nothing I've done to make God love me less, and there's nothing I can do to make him love me more. And that's just like, that is, that is good news. That is good news. Now let's move forward. Okay. What else would have been your good news? That you would have, that could have happened to you if you could snap your fingers of God would say, let me do one thing in your life. That when you go to that conference, okay, th- this is what happens to me, okay? I go to leadership groups and all that kind of stuff. And, and I go to leadership groups and I think, you know what my favorite leadership groups are to go to? It's when we baptize the fire out of people. I love going to that leadership group because you're going in and you're going, dang, I hope they didn't. I, I hope I have the biggest number. I, I love that, like, you know, you're going around the table and you're like, I'm just going to be patient. I'm just going to wait. Go ahead. Go ahead. Give your number. Give your number. Give your number. Yeah. Boom. You know, I, like, I'm like, this is great. I love those groups. You know groups I hate? When everyone else's number is bigger than my number. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that. I hate going in there going, okay, let me think about all these things. And, and if God just would have done this, then the gospel would have been good news. Wow. It's, you know what? Zero to a hundred, zero to a thousand, zero to a million conversions. God is still good news. Yeah. And if that's not a reality in my heart, my theology is off, right? I mean, that's when I've got to go, hold on a minute. I am trying to earn your favor. That's just the red flag for me, okay? If you could have just asked God for one thing, just God, do this in the weeks or months leading up to ICMC, that would have made me just walk on air. Do you have any other good news that you would have said, God, if you would just grant me that one thing, what would it have been? Boyfriend, girlfriend? Like, you'd have just been like, pressure's off. Right? This is great. I get to go and like enjoy myself and relax and not be all weird and, and all this kind of stuff. And, like trying to like, you know, not people. Yeah, I want you to like. Maybe it's conversions. Maybe it's repentance. Maybe it's all these things. But here's what I say all of that, okay? It's because holiness, we are not going to be holy if the good news of God isn't good enough news for us. Okay? It's good news to hear a great speaker. It's good news to be at a good conference. It's good news. But you want to know what? That stuff is not the good news. And until that's like, we can't be holy. And until that's like real, like I love God's good news, is that in Christ there's no condemnation. I love that, okay? But we're going to move on from here, okay? Because he says this. 
Um, he says, uh, verse 5, those who live according to the flesh think about things of the flesh. That's cool right there. I mean, the flesh and legalism and that idea of earning God's grace, that's the flesh. And, and who is better and who is more talented? We often, we often think that, you know, Jesus took ordinary unschooled men. You know, but nowadays he doesn't have any time for ordinary unschooled men. He wants only the sharp men and women. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Jesus' ministry didn't change. But when we're, a, when we're like really focused on the flesh, we're kind of like, man, you know the ordinary unschooled guy? That's still who Jesus is looking for. He's not looking for like the perfect external person, okay? Those who live according to the flesh think about those things. So just think, are you thinking about those things? But those who live according to the Spirit about the things of the Spirit, for the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. Um, I, I don't know a single soul in the entire world who doesn't want life and peace. I don't know anyone. They may not even admit it, but I'm telling you, every one of us, we're pursuing, like, I just want life to be peaceful. I, I want to have life to the full. I don't want to be bored. Life and peace. He said, the mind set on the spirit, on what the spirit wants. How do you know what the spirit wants? How do you know what the spirit wants? Isn't that kind of weird? Isn't that all kind of like, well, how am I supposed to know? It's like spirit, you know. Woo! <laughs> like, what do you want, spirit? You know, tell me what you want so I can follow you. How do you know? Obey the commands. Right. I mean, it's right there. I mean, here's the thing: the spirit. Uh, when you read uh, John 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, here's what the Spirit is all about, Jesus, because the Spirit, Jesus, God, are one. The Spirit will only want what Jesus wants. The Spirit will only do, the Spirit will only give the words that Jesus taught. Okay? That's just, what does the Spirit want? The Spirit wants that, what Jesus taught. Okay? This is the, the life, the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it doesn't submit itself to God's law for it's unable to do so. What's God's law? Love others. Love others. Jump on down. Romans 8, uh, 12. So then, brothers, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if, the spirit, but if by the Spirit you put to death the, the, the deeds of the body, you'll live. All those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. This is the good news. Like, that is such good news. Okay? I love that, okay? That, that kind of gives me a sense of Ephesians 1. Okay? Here's what I love about Ephesians 1. Is here's what it says about all of us. Have you ever been to a, um, to, to, to a uh, foster home? Some of you may have grown up in a foster home. Or you've been somewhere and, 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 and you've been um, needing to be adopted. You've, you've, your parents have died or abandoned you or something like that. And you've sat there and you've waited and you've waited and you've waited. Can you imagine being that little child? And you're waiting and you're waiting and people passed you over and people didn't want you. And what I love about Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, he says, no, no, no. I, it gave me pleasure to adopt you. Like, I, when I was looking around, I said, you're exactly who I want to be my child. Like, that's the best news I could possibly ever hear. Is that there was a time when I was sitting there and no one else wanted me. And God said, no, actually, you're exactly who I wanted to be my child. All right? When that stops becoming good news, we can't be holy. We won't be infatuated with the holiness of God. We'll be infatuated with the fleshly things that we see. And, 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 and God, if you would just give me some good news, I'd be real happy with you right now. Instead of going, you want to know what? On my worst day, 
There is no better news than me. I, I picture myself, or I picture my child, or I picture my wife, or I picture whoever in just waiting to be adopted, and no one else wanted them, and God going, you're the one I want. To be my child. There is no day that is worse than that kind of good news. That good news outweighs everything that's bad. Come on. That kind of good news, but here's what I fear is, is it, it hasn't become good news to us. Like keeping up with each other is better news. And seeing who's better is better news. And if your campus ministry was just better, it'd be better news. And if you were as dynamic as another group, it'd be even better news. And if you had that church leader, it'd be even better news. And going, wow, that's, none of that stuff I just said is found anywhere in the Bible. <laughs> Not one single place. There's nothing in there about that. It's God going, let me convince you that I love you in your worst moments when no one else wanted you so much more than even your physical parents. Have you had a good relationship with your parents growing up? Here's how God characterizes their love for you. He said, they're evil compared to me. He said, y'all's parents who were really great, they knew how to give good gifts to you. And they were evil compared to God. Okay? And until that is like the good news, and I'm going, oh, thank God for that. Like, that's great news. Like, that just takes the weight off. That's like, okay, you want to know what? There are things i got to talk to people about. It ain't nothing when that's reality. You can go, hey, please come because I love the holiness of God. I love God. I want to be close to Him. And the sin is keeping me from it. And I don't just want to, like, change my behavior or be some kind of, like, legalistically righteous person. But I want to repent. Can you help me do that? Because I don't care what you think. I care what God thinks. And I love Him so much. All right, see, that's very different. That, that, I, I notice that in groups. When I see groups that are just kind of like, to me, Christians should be the most relaxed people in the world. That, that's the only way we're going to be gentle and respectful with the world. Yeah. It's you got to be like, I give up the, 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 my, my idea of being defensive on people. I don't need to because I know who I am in Christ. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't have to be better than other people in my ministry. I don't have to be the best church leader. I don't have to be the best speaker. I don't have to be the best at whatever. I don't have to be the best at that. I just want to be so infatuated with God that He uses me. That's it. And that is so, like, just taking the weight off. That's the difference between holiness and legalism. But finishing up, this is the thing. Just, again, everything we've talked about. John 13, 34. And verse 35. If you have a chance to just write down every day how God has loved you. And, and believe me, I know like sometimes it feels really great because you're like, but tough love is really where it's at, man. I'm like, you know what would happen to my children if that's all I gave them? <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Like my, I have a 13-year-old son and, and he came up to me. And I, I have like the hard thing for me with my son is that I can always find something he's doing wrong. Okay? And the thing about it is I can have periods of time where I'm just like, I'm just staying on him over and over and over again. And I feel as a parent, but I have to tell him the truth. And I have to train him as a disciple. And he needs to hear all this kind of stuff. And you want to know what he needs to hear more than anything? His dad loves you. And I'm with you, man. I don't care what you do, I'm with you. I am walking with you. You're going to have to leave me. I ain't leaving you. Okay? You ain't getting rid of me. I am proud of you. I know the best, I believe in the best in you. That's what he needs more. And it was really funny because he's not a super expressive kid. He's like a 13-year-old boy, right? I mean, he doesn't like express emotions. He likes talking about like stupid things that I like talking about at 13, you know? But here, he said this to me the other day. He said, Dad, I want to go out and do this. I want us to go fishing. He's asking me. He loves fishing. He said, Dad, let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. And I've been, this has come up and that's come up. And he said, Dad, you don't understand. I just want to be with you. And I was like, Whoa! Like, where did that come from? Okay? But it's that idea of right there, man, is, is that's us. I'm just like, God, I just want to be with you. I just want to be close to you. I just want to open my heart to you. And you want to know what? If there's some knucklehead or somebody giving you a hard time, and I, let him be a knucklehead. But, but love the holiness of God. Love being close to God, okay? He will give us everything we need for life and godliness. But I want you to just write that down. Is, is what are all the ways? How has he loved you? 
and instead of just being all about tough love, okay, is, is the idea of how many times has God gone out of his way to let me know I love you? <laughs> At my worst. And he has gone out of his way. And he said, you want to, I'm pretty sure none of us deserve to be right here in, in these beautiful mountains, right? I don't think any of us have earned that. And he's going, listen, I want you to have that. I want you to have that. Yeah, because I'm so good. No, because you're rotten. I'm so good. Because God is so good and he's so holy. But then he's saying, listen, y'all, for real, you better love people the way I love you. Like there's no, there, there is no wiggle room around that. You better do, we got to do that. If it's not happening on our campuses and in our ministries, then we're missing out. It's worse than just being legalistic. We aren't following Jesus. Okay? That's all I want you to drive into your head is, am I doing this? Am I loving others the way Jesus loved me? And you know what's really funny? All of the stuff about holiness and legalism, those kind of like get into the background, and we just start living life. And it's really amazing because then we're following the Spirit. And then the Spirit starts producing in our lives. And that's really great because it's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and all those awesome things. Okay. So I want to simplify it to that. I'm going to finish up with that. Any questions? I mean, it, you know, I, I could have said something and not even realized it that offended you so badly. Okay. I, I'm perfectly okay with you coming and talking to me and saying, Keith, that was so horrible. Okay, that's fine. I'm open to hearing that. Or I just need some clarification. I'm good about, like, I'd be happy to clarify anything. Yeah. Um, just dealing with sin in your own life. Yeah. And what, what like, like. So, okay, uh, God loves me way before I was baptized. So now that I'm baptized and he still loves me the same, as I have things in my life I need to change, how do I go about it? Yeah. Because now it's not about what everybody else thinks and it's not about you know, me being more or less right with God. So how do I... What? This gets to the heart of really, I, I want to do anything and everything that will please you. And so I start asking myself this question. This is the question that I, that I have to like ask myself in my head. Is, as I'm walking through um, wherever, Clemson, South Carolina, or Starbucks, or wherever, and I'm walking through, and I'm going, hold on a minute. What would make you happy? Not make you love me more. But what would make you like you're going, yes, I love it. When they're doing what I asked them to do down there. That's what I asked them to do. I asked them to forgive people and they're doing That's awesome. It's not because you love me more. It's because I'm really fired up about pleasing God. But I've had to, I have to ask myself that question is, okay, what would be that thing? And God would go, yes. Yes, they're getting it. Because that even transcends, man, when I'm messing up. Okay, and going, God, just, <laughs> I, I see it. I'm going to get into the light. I'm going to repent. God, yes, that's what I'm talking about. It opens up the door for so much encouragement from God. Okay? It's to go into my Bible and do it. But I have to ask that question. Okay? If that makes sense. I don't know if that clarifies it a ton, but that question helps me. Okay? That, that helps me kind of get there. But I always have to be careful. No, no, no. Not, not what can I do to make you love me more. But what can I do to please you? Because that's all I want to please. Right? Anything else? Any other, like, you need some clarification, you have a question, you're, you know, yeah. I know we talked a little bit in the beginning, but what was, like, the exact definition for the U.S.? The exact definition? Yeah. That's a great question. Uh, holiness versus legalism, uh, love others as Jesus has loved you. You can, you can call it whatever you want. Yeah. I'm not really good with all that. <laughs> It's okay. But um, I know what you think is like a lot of times it's like wanting to do things because I think I'm obliged to do so. Like, like God, how to say that? Like doing things not because of a good motivation, but because of obligation. Does that obligation, sense? right? Yes. So does yeah. that go into legalism? That's a great question. Not especially with like others. What the ministry of the church. That's a great question. Just like what God expects from you. Yeah. So how do you navigate that, yeah. right? Yeah, no, that's really good. So the question was, you know, it's this idea of what if like I'm, I, I'm just doing things out of obligation? 
Well, I'm just doing things. Isn't that legalistic? Like, my heart's not there. I'm, like, not really, like, all there on this. Like, I'm, like what does God think about that? And, and here's the truth of the matter is, is we all know this, too. I mean, we, we know that if we waited until we wanted to do something. Okay, but here's what I'm just going to give you a little Bible. 2 Corinthians 6, okay? He said, I bought you at a price. Like, you were bought. Like, I actually own you. So there is an obligation. Like, you actually are obligated. Like, it is a covenant relationship, okay? This isn't like I just did everything and you do nothing, okay? In baptism, we enter a covenant, okay? So my mortgage company doesn't go, I can't call them and go, I really didn't feel like paying the mortgage this month. They're like, ah, don't worry. When you feel like it, send us the check. They're like, no, you entered into an agreement. And so legalism and obligation don't necessarily go hand in hand. There's a side of it of knowing, you wonder what? I was purchased by the blood of Jesus. Like, can you imagine, this is just kind of a side note of good news, okay? We live in a self-esteem world, okay? God isn't about self-esteem. He doesn't want me and you to esteem us. But here's what he said. He applied a, a value to everyone. He said, what your worth is, okay, if you went into a, a thrift shop and you were like, okay, hey, that's $25 and that's $20, and there's this worth that, that is given to things, okay? He said, here's what your value is. The blood of my son. That's the price tag on you. That, that's it right there, is you have a price tag. And he said, what you cost was me, my, is my son's blood. That's how much your value, that's very different than self-esteem. That's God saying, this is what you're worth. It doesn't matter what you think you're worth. It doesn't matter what somebody tells you you're worth. God has already said, no, 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 no. I've already established a work. And because of that, there is an obligation. There's a healthy obligation to go, you know what? You bought me, and, and, and I may not feel like this, but your way is right and my way isn't. And that's not legalism. That's love. That's love for God. It's going, no, 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 I trust you and not me. Does that, that help? Does that make sense? Sort of. We can talk more. One more.